CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hi there. Welcome to Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. I'm joined today by Sandali Handagama. We love having Sandali on the show. Will Foxley and Jensen Assey. Shout out to our podcast listeners checking us out on the Coindesk Podcast Network. You know that is fun as well. All right. Happy Friday, folks. Let's get to this thing. Will, you are leading us off with the first story of the day. I am. Stripe is working with Polygon, which is not something I would have expected to see. It's a pretty cool story, to be honest. Stripe is a bellwether within the payments world. Everybody knows about Stripe. Everyone's always arguing and feuding over Stripe engineers who gets to hire them. Now they're working with Polygon to bring payments to Twitter. So according to the story on Coindesk right now, we have initial payments we brought from USDC stablecoins to Polygon itself, and they'll be paid out through Polygon-enabled wallets on Twitter itself. This will be for like ticketed spaces and super follows and other things like that. Zach, it's a pretty interesting story because you're enabling like money to flow over a crypto rail that's only like two or three years old and it's it's going to people like that matters a lot to see an evolution like this and have something like stripe which everybody knows about using a payment rail like polygon yeah this is big i mean stripe is really reinvigorating its crypto push this was sort of an early believer in the bitcoin economy took a pause there and then kind of came back uh, in full force and i think this is uh, probably the most concrete manifestation of that push here you know seeing polygon Integrated into Twitter in this instance, also cool. I remember reporting, I guess it was in February, that Twitter had integrated Ethereum wallet addresses. You could pay, you know, tip people to an Ethereum wallet. And, you know, since uh, Polygon is Ethereum compatible, oftentimes, you know, you have the same wallet address over on the Polygon network, the Matic network as well. So the fact that this is happening through a big time payments firm, super notable. And also, you know, another crypto thing for Twitter, another crypto integration for Twitter, which I think is you know, certainly notable here that they are kind of the launch partner on the Stripe Polygon tie-up. But I'll throw this one straight to Sondly for her thoughts. Thanks, Zach. I think it's really cool that we're seeing more and more of stable coins coming into the picture as payments method, because I think it makes sense that there, Stripe is also going with stable coins. It would be super useful, not just for content creators and whoever else tends to benefit from this, in countries like the US where you know you can receive your earnings in a stabilized cryptocurrency that matches the dollar but also in countries that are struggling with inflation and 
in currency devaluation, like receiving your earnings in a stable cryptocurrency that isn't directly subject to foreign exchange controls just yet can be a game changer. And I think that it's really cool that a company as prominent as Stripe is kind of coming into the crypto game through stable coins. I know stable coins have a bad rep, but I hope to see more and more of these. Jen, I don't know what you think. I agree with everyone. I think this is an awesome development. We speak about Twitter on this show every day now, but there's just so much happening on Twitter when it comes to crypto development. I think a lot faster than we're seeing it on some of the other social platforms. I think for all of the reasons you outlined, Sundali, that this is an awesome, awesome development for creators. But I also think that there are a lot of creators who hear this story and think like, why would I want to get paid in USDC? And what do I do with that USDC once I get it? And so I, I really hope that we see some of that education come out because it's one thing to have the solution, but it's another thing to actually get these creators who we've built this amazing solution for to actually understand the value. Zach? Stable coins in real life. We're seeing a little bit more of that lately, right? We talk about stable coins as, you know, things that diehard crypto traders exit into, you know, as a sort of holding bay for the next position that they enter in the crypto world. But I think we're seeing stable coins start to inch into the real world. And it's really cool. Once you have stable coins, you can do all sorts of DeFi things and get a little bit more yield than you would get in your traditional banking account on the saving side there. So the idea that whether it's USDC, USDT, some of the algorithmic ones, UST obviously is a big one. The idea that these things are potentially making an impact on you know the lives of people outside of the crypto trading trenches is really interesting. And I think it'd be curious. I'm, I know I'm going to be curious to see what kind of usage stats are published here after this announcement. If anyone on the content creator side sort of takes up the offer to make these payments happen, I think that's going to be interesting to hear from Twitter what those numbers may look like ultimately. Well, I'm going to throw it down to you. I mean, I think Stripe here is sort of an OG, right? They like rolled out Bitcoin's support for Bitcoin in 2014. And then, you know, they pulled the plug on that in like 2018. And then I remember last fall, October, we reported that they were hiring a new crypto team. So uh, let's go back to Stripe there. I mean, what are your thoughts on their new approach? I think it just tells you about where fintech is at at this point. 2017, 2018, I can look into their past and be like, okay, that makes sense. Like Bitcoin bull market then was very fast. It was a flash in the pan. Bitcoin went up really quickly. It went down very quickly. A lot of people got burnt. The ICO era was not favorable for a lot of people. And why, as a business, would you want to get in bed with any of these founders at that time? Pretty tricky. But a few years later, we've had a more mature market. We've had a sustained bull market where Bitcoin's price has been pretty high. Like, frankly, like over $30,000 for this long and all these other projects actually developing things for utility for this long. It makes sense for Stripe to get back into the picture, especially as more of like an established brand. But we'll leave it there and get on to the next story. I think we're talking about NBA Top Shot. We are talking about Sports Desk. Sports <laughs> Desk. Oh, my God. Absolutely amazing control. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well executed. All right. Let's talk about it's not just sports stuff, I guess. But it's starting with sports because there's a project launched by a NBA Top Shot whale. He is making a peer-to-peer lending platform on the flow blockchain and it is called floaty get it flow floaty you can put your top shot moments uh up on this marketplace you can lend them out under certain terms and it is peer-to-peer on the flow blockchain slowly chipping away that walled garden that dapper labs has created for the nba top shot marketplace 
So we haven't seen a ton of activity on Flow. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of projects building on that network and looking to uh, you know, provide solutions that aren't there yet. And I think this is a really notable one because again, it sort of gets people out of the walled garden of MBA Top Shot itself into a decentralized marketplace for the lending and borrowing of Top Shot NFTs and other NFTs that are native to the Flow blockchain. So interesting one, uh, you know, it's a seed round. It's not going to, you know, not going to shatter records here. It's, it's in the early nascent stages of what is going on, but it is interesting to see. And I think it is certainly notable that it's on flow. Jen, I'm going to toss this your way. Uh, catch it. That's my contribution to the sports lingo mm, of, this, of this segment. Yeah, that's all. Yes. I'm going to just catch it. I think NFT lending is really interesting. And I think we're going to see the story start to develop more, right? I think there's a lot of people who have amassed these NFT collections and they're just sitting on them and, you know, they can't go to a bank and say, I have all of these NFTs and I'd like to borrow against them. I know someone who is not crypto native and they ended up with a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT. I'm not sure if I've told this story on this show before. So they minted a Board Ape Yacht Club because something told them I need this NFT. And then they ended up selling it for $200,000 and starting a small business. Uh, and I know this is outside of the Flow ecosystem, but I think if that person was able to leverage their NFT and maybe borrow against it to start that small business, they would continue to be able to get all of the amazing benefits that come with the Board Ape Yacht Club, like maybe being in a Hollywood film. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of this, especially as NFTs don't seem to be stopping anytime soon. So I think this is a really cool development. I was trying to think when I was reading the story about the other NFT projects that were on the Flow blockchain, there was the really cool avatar thing that got a lot of hype. And then what happened, Zach? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Well, Genie's, yeah, Genie's has a Flow connection. Genie's also kind of exists in its own realm. Those are like the 3D avatar guys. But there is more traditional like PFP NFT projects that exist on Flow that have had some success. But you know, by but you know, far and away the, the top dog on Flow right now is still NBA Top Shot, and that's you know significantly down from when the excitement around Top Shot had reached a fever pitch. There are certainly projects over there, and maybe like sort of unlocking the liquidity and like NFT collections will kickstart a bit more activity over in that world. Will I gotta throw it to you, basketball guy? How are the playoffs going? So playoffs are not going well for my hometown Denver Nuggets. Let me tell you that it's been it's been sad. But I want to go back to NBA Top Shot, which I think also has been sort of a sad project since it launched. Like it went out really hard. It did crazy volume. Some of these cards were selling for millions of dollars. But since then, volumes have been down quite a bit. I think Flow Blockchain has probably been one of the bigger losers from that. So I'm interested to see if a new project like this can kick some action back into that chain. I think what we've seen over the last year or so with all these NFT projects is that the base layer chains are often the winners because of the NFT trading volume on chain. People are auctioning these things off. They're minting new ones. And these chains on the base layer get a ton of rewards. And that sucks people into using them more and more. So the two chains of note have been Solana and Ethereum. And Ethereum really has been winning this. And the, I mean, they were in the top position beforehand. So it doesn't really shock anybody that they were better than Solana or at least getting more volume in Solana the previous year. I think Solana obviously also had a really large play that they should be impressed with. But Flow has somewhat been out of the conversation. I mean, it was a chain that was launched purposely for NFTs. And to see like a, this kind of a smaller funding round, I haven't seen a lot of noble projects since NBA Top Shot. Maybe they're just in a quiet stage. Obviously, NBA Top Shot raised a ton of money last year and it takes a while to deploy that. 
But so far, like I, I haven't seen a lot to be impressed with the Flow blockchain. Maybe that's a 2023 thing. It could happen. They got a lot of money and that worked out really well for Solana. Maybe it's a comeback story, but that's my takeaway from it right now. So Nali, I want to give it to you though. Thanks, Will. And yeah, I agree with Jen here in that I think NFT lending platforms are super cool. Just like how it's bringing the pawn shop to the digital asset space. I think it gives, as Jen said, like opportunities for NFT holders to actually put their collections to some use and do something productive with them while they watch the numbers go up, so to say. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot more of these platforms as well. I think Arcade launched one recently, and I'm looking forward to what happens with NFT lending platforms broadly, not just on Floaty. So I'm watching you. That's my creepy take on that. <laughs> that was good. I like that. That was a good one. Sandra is watching She's you. watching. She is watching <laughs> I you. I am. <laughs> All right, Floaty, get it together. So OpenSea has suspended the trading of Gambling Apes, a collection from the Sands Vegas Casino Club, after regulators in Texas and Alabama claimed that they were categorized as unregistered securities. So holders of the NFTs would have been able to participate in profit sharing from the proceeds of the casinos. The team said that they are working with lawyers to discuss next steps. So the team seems very optimistic in this situation. They said, you know, no regulators or governments came to us before. We didn't know this was going to be a problem. And we are working to make a solution for everyone so that people may benefit off the profit of our casino. Sounds a little like an unregistered security to me, but I don't know. That's just my take. Will, I'm going to pass this off to you. What do you think? Disclosure, I'm not a securities lawyer, so take it with a little salt there. <laughs> Is anyone on this show a securities lawyer? No. Raise no. hands? Okay. We wouldn't We're be not. here, I don't so, think. I do think a lot of these NFT projects and a lot of coins out there also do sort of fall under what securities are. You basically have an investment contract with future payouts that are supposed to give you an ROI on that initial investment. It's tough for a lot of these projects, which are exactly marketing that way. And that's the only reason people buy them in the first place. So it makes sense that they get slapped down. It's interesting that we're seeing on the state level, just to get like really get in the weeds here for a second. The SEC itself has been pretty slow. They go after these big guys. They slap them with sometimes big fines, sometimes small fines. We've seen all across the board, but they mostly go after the bigger projects from what I've seen. But these states seem to be like a little bit more nimble and going after smaller things that are operating within their jurisdictions. In this one, I think it was Texas and one other state were saying, you can't fly here. This is not going to work. So we're going to shut you down. I'm surprised that we're not seeing more of this, to be honest. Like, How many coins are out there nowadays? Like On Uniswap itself, there's like well over 25,000 lit pair listings. It's like thousands of coins. You can spin one up in a second, spin up a website up a second. It's almost like too many flies to swat down. I think it's the same thing with NFT projects. Zach, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I think the state securities regulator aspect is certainly noteworthy, right? It was Texas and Alabama in this instance. I believe both those states were also involved in securities violation allegations against BlockFi, like crypto lending products, right? Certainly some state regulators are taking this a bit more seriously than the federal regulators are doing so at, at this point in time, at least. So it's interesting to see that we're kind of seeing this recurring cast of characters on the, uh, the regulatory crackdown front as it relates to digital tokens that promise future returns. And you're right. This one, I think, seems like low-hanging fruit the way it was marketed. Also, I think we should just be super clear that this has no affiliation with like the actual Sands Casino. 
Anybody familiar with that Rat Pack photo of the uh, Frank Sinatra and crew out in front of the sands? This is not that. All right. This is something that sort of borrows the name and is rolling with it. So that's worth noting as well. But also, I think that's interesting that OpenSea chose to comply here, right? Uh, OpenSea, being a marketplace, wanted to stay in good stead with regulators as well and said, okay, yeah, we'll say that this is in violation of our terms and conditions, and we'll make these inaccessible to our users as well, following these actions by the state securities regulators. So interesting dynamic here at play. But yeah, this is something I think that projects are mostly mindful of, and some are probably a little bit less mindful of it than they should be. And that's probably why this particular project finds itself in hot water. But Jen, I'll throw it down to you. Yeah, I want to add just a few other facts to the story here. So OpenSea delisted the NFTs. They're now listed on LooksRare and continue to be traded. And the company is actually based in Cyprus, whereas Texas and Alabama regulators went after OpenSea. So there's like a lot of different tidbits that add to the story that make it complex, I guess. After adding that extra information, does that change how you think about the story? It's complicated, even if nothing comes of it. Just the fact that the state regulators took this step and it kind of signals that regulators are watching and are, you know, doing things on a smaller scale. I just hope that it changes something in the way that crypto projects operate. Their MO is to launch something first and then deal with regulations later. And what happens in all of this is that users suffer at the end of the day when uh, regulators do step in and tokens go down, NFTs, you know, collections start losing their value. And as much as it is a gamble at this time, because regulators are clearly not keeping up with the space, I just hope that, you know, these kinds of situations start to resolve themselves and get better just to make the space more friendly for users. D-Y-O-R. Do your own research. And if an NFT project is Yay. promising you future returns of as much as 24,480, think twice. All right. Tanli, back to you. Your story. Yes. So Ukraine's central bank has banned the purchase of cryptocurrency using the country's local currency. This is under martial law that has been in effect in in Ukraine since the invasion by Russia began in February. Individuals may only purchase crypto using foreign currency up to a value of $3,400 per month, the National Bank of Ukraine said. And these measures are being taken to prevent unproductive outflow of capital from the country under martial law. This is not something that is completely new. I mean, we're seeing this in Sri Lanka right now where I'm from. We have a foreign exchange crisis right now. And the government said, well, you can't take any dollars out of the country or any foreign currency because our foreign reserves are very poor right now. But it's interesting to see this done with crypto because a, a huge amount of crypto came into Ukraine, I think 100 million just in donations. So the fact that now these like Forex rules are coming into crypto and restricting the outflow of crypto is interesting to me. I don't know what you guys think. Will, I saw you nodding. Yeah, the story is really, really interesting. And paired against the headlines we saw February where crypto was flowing into Ukraine with donations. Now people are understanding you can also go the other way. It is money leaving the economy. And this goes back to like the the way that economists think about money inflows and outflows out of the country, especially during wartime, you're going to want to keep as much money in the country as possible. 
Why? Well, people still need to buy things when it's wartime, maybe even more so. And if that capital leaves the country, well, you start reducing like the economic bandwidth, so to speak. Like, I can't go buy that thing I need. I'm going to have to barter for it or I'm going to have to make it myself. That makes life really, really difficult for the people who are not engaged in the war, citizens, and then also makes it really tough for the people who are fighting and waging the war itself because they don't have any of the stuff they need to get it done. They can't go buy armament. So it's not surprising to me to see this development over time. What is interesting is that crypto is being involved here. Like this has always happened in wartime, martial law. There's been like economic constraints and the government comes in and says, hey, you can't take this cash outside the borders. We need that cash inside the system here. But the fact that crypto is being called out here is really remarkable. It shows you how valuable in usable crypto is for the things that it claims to be usable for, right? Censorship resistant money means that you can use it wherever you want. You can move it wherever you want. And that's being noted here by the Ukrainian government. I'm curious to see how much of an effect this has. I don't think it really can change things. Like the Ukrainian government doesn't have a bandwidth to go and like track all these people who are moving in and out of crypto, moving in and out of local fiat. Maybe they can go round up ATMs, shut those down. Maybe they can go find people who are selling Bitcoin on the street, but not going to be able to do that much. I think it's more of just like a, hey, don't sell your Ukrainian money. Like, I'm not sure what it's called, but don't sell it. We need it here. Zach, will give it to you. I think just like stepping back, it's really fascinating to see how the Ukraine situation has catalyzed a lot of conversations around crypto. And I think this is just the latest example, right? Crypto for sanctions evasions, crypto for donations, crypto for controlling capital flight, right? These things are all really interesting, and they've all sort of come into the fore because of the Ukraine situation, which obviously remains a dire human tragedy. But the conversation around the future of money that this has sparked remains really fascinating. And, you know, you, one would think that maybe in a situation in which many millions of dollars in crypto donations have flowed into this country, one would think that that might be a bit inducing of like positive regulation on this front, but this seems restrictive, right? This is obviously about mitigating capital flight and concerns over crypto being used for capital flight, which is something that you know has been a concern, Sondali, as you rightly pointed out, in other countries like China, certainly notable among those. So the idea that these conversations continue to happen, especially because of the war conflict in Ukraine, remains interesting and remains something that is getting people to think about crypto a bit more deeply than they previously had. So the fact that this is another sort of story emerging in that vein is super interesting to me. Jen, what are your thoughts? My thoughts were very much the same. As I was reading this story, I just thought, wow, it's such an unfortunate situation that it's taken this international crisis for us to really start talking about these issues that we've been talking about in the crypto industry for so long on a main stage. And so it's tough that it had to come out of Ukraine, but I'm happy the conversations are being had now. And to Will's point, I think this really just solidifies that like, Crypto is going nowhere. It's being taken seriously by not only regulators, but national banks and policymakers all over the world. And it's, for me, a positive sign for crypto out of a negative situation. You're here. Way to close it down. Good show today, folks. That's it for The Hash on a Friday. That's it for the week. Hey, if you missed any Happy of Friday. us this week, go check us out on the Coindesk Podcast Network. That's where you can find mm -hmm. the audio version of The Hash. We like to refer to it as the hash for your ears. So check that out <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that's it. I'm Zach Seward. We got Will Foxley, Sonali Hondagama. We got Jensen Assey. We're glad you're here. We hope you have a good weekend. And hey, thanks so much.
You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.